episode of Dopey is brought to you by our friends at Aloe Recovery. Located in sunny Southern California, in Malibu and Silver Lake, Aloe was created by our good friend Bob Forrest and his good friends Evan, Jared, and another guy named Bob. Their plan to treat addiction with compassion and connection rather than control. They have decades and decades of experience treating co-occurring mental health disorders, including SMI. They have amenities you wouldn't believe. Surfing, sound bath meditation, the incredibly spiritual sweat lodge, and much, much more. Their detox is supposed to be incredibly comfortable. So if you're kicking benzos or heroin or alcohol or coke or crack or whatever you're coming off of, your detox is comfortable, which is what we all want when we're kicking terrible drugs. If you're fucked and you're looking for somewhere to get help, I totally recommend Aloe Recovery. This episode of Dopey is also brought to you by our friends at CASL, which stands for Clean and Sober Love, the dating app for people who choose a sober way of life. It was created by one addict to help another addict to date safely. So here's the deal. You got clean, you got sober, you got a new life, and now you're ready to date. So where are you supposed to look? Growler? CASL is the solution. Dating and recovery is real and worth considering if you have your shit together. CSL is the platform where you can meet like-minded junkies, crackheads, and alcoholics all over the world. Install the app now on the App Store or the Google Play Store. Oh, and by the way, it's completely free. Join CASL, give them a deeper pool to dip from, and meet the addict or alcoholic of your dreams. This episode of Dopey is also brought to you by listeners like you in the Dopey Nation through the power 
and passion of the Dopey Patreon page. If you want to check it out, it's www.patreon.com slash dopeypodcast. And something crazy is going to happen with the Patreon page. If you've been enjoying Patreon for free, that's over. I'm putting everything behind the $2 paywall. If you pay $2, you get access to free, or used to be free, dopey episodes with uh, Dopey Nation greats, including the great Ray, including Colleen MC, Jeremy Turner, you name them, they're on there. The $5 Patreon tier is going to get you all of the Patreon episodes, plus a new free dopey episode, full-length dopey episode, four weeks before all the non-patrons. And if you're really a dopey super fan, you shell out eight or more bucks, and eight or more bucks gets you into the Patreon Zoom, which will be the Zoom that Ray and I host once a month. Plus, I will send you stickers. That's all for the low, low price of eight bucks a month, which is pennies a day. If you want to help me get out of this stupid fucking deli, it's time to put your money where your mouth is, patreon.com. We also have amazing merchandise at dopeypodcast.com from our friends SRO Printing, a bunch of heroin addicts in recovery. We've got new stuff coming out. I think you're going to be very excited. Also, in the garage, I found 20 dopey snapbacks and five Oive snapbacks. If you guys want those, Venmo me 25 bucks and they can be yours. If you want stickers, just hit me up and I will send you some. Uh, enough with the fucking ads. Here is the fucking show. And welcome to Dopey, the podcast about drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. And my name is Dave, and I am sitting in the dining room on a cricket-filled evening with my dear friend, Ray. Hi, Dave. Welcome back. Crickets, crickets, crickets. Hey, talk for a second. Oh, hello, hello, hello. Nice. How you feel? I'm good. I'm yeah. full of energy. No coffee. It's fucking 9.52... Friday, September 11th. Is this a record for the latest ever? I don't think so. I, I mean, like... It's the, the latest I've ever been involved in. The latest... I think the latest ever was the episode before Chris died, uh, where we, we recorded the episode, like, at 11 o'clock at oh, night. Oh, right, because you and, were and then Yeah, well, he was up late fighting and getting high, and then uh, he put the episode up. Um, crazy. Crazy to consider that. And we are not only joined by the great Ray Brown, we are also joined by my beautiful and forgiving and ultimately very patient and kind and brilliant partner, Linda. Welcome back to the show, Linda. Thank you. And tonight on the show, we are doing the wrap-up of the Wicked Fire Summer to reflect on our summer and to reflect on your summer. Are you ready to reflect? But before we get into our reflections, I just want to make sure that the, there was a brouhaha this week involving acclaimed novelist and memoirist, Kat Marnell. Oh, man. And I promise yeah. you, Dopey Jeez, Nation, Louise. we will be covering that later on in the show. This is the first time in the show that I'm ever going to tease something yeah, news alert. later in the show. <laughs> so just stand by. And um, are you excited to talk about that later, Ray? I, I have very clear views on Kat Marnell. Can we talk about that now? No, we're going to talk about that later. <laughs> Two, three. 
I did research on Kat Marnell. I went in deep. I, I really looked up, found all about her. I just want to say for the record that I have nothing but admiration for Kat Marnell and confusion about the whole incident. But stay tuned. I'm ready. Linda, are you ready to reflect on the summer? Reflect on. Now, we're going to start with some bad news. I know the Dopey Nation is very, 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 very concerned about Linda and I as pet owners, and I have very bad news about what's going on with us, which is, you know, if you, if you didn't know, we had a lizard that almost got killed by crickets and almost died not eating, but the lizard has bounced back. Yeah, I, I just saw the lizard eating worms. <laughs> Something happened, the lizard turned the corner, and the lizard is doing well. But the cat was looking at the lizard, too. Well, that could, that could be a problem. <laughs> but um, we had a dog that tried to eat Linda's father's face and then started vomiting dog shit, so we had to get rid of the dog. And in its place, Linda had the master plan of getting a cat. And right after we got the cat, we went on vacation. And what happened when we came back, Linda? Um, well, we, we got a kitten. Um, we got a black kitten named we a, Onyx. We got a black kitten. And um, the woman said when we adopted her that she was, she, they called her a Velcro kitten, which means they're very connected to their, their human owners and that they... They don't like to be alone. She said, oh, good, you're always going to be home, so you're the perfect match for the kitten. And I said, I'm in my mind, I'm thinking, well, sometimes I'm going to, like, <laughs> want to leave the house, but okay. Uh, so what we did that wasn't good, I guess, is we went on vacation about a week after we had the we kitten. We abandoned the cat immediately and went right on vacation. For, for quite, a, quite a while. <laughs> <laughs> but we had my parents come twice a day, and they visited, and it wasn't, you know, we didn't just leave. They fed the cat twice a day and visited with the cat. Right. And Linda's mother, Linda's, you don't hang out with Linda's mother, you visit with her. Come in, let's visit. Right. So when we came home from vacation, uh, the kitten had sprayed, which is this very disgusting smell that, that cats and kittens will do when they're um, anxious or... Marking territory. You know, there's, a lot, there's lots of reasons. Um, when you have a cat that's like psychologically not sound, it tends to spray. And Onyx spray. is a so, skittish kitty. So Onyx um, wound up spraying all over mine and Dave's uh, bed. And... Um, Probably about fifty times. So it was it was completely absorbed into the mattress. It was it's the most disgusting smell. So um, so yeah, and and that has stopped. That hasn't stopped happening. It keeps happening over and over and over again. The only good part about Onyx and the spray is that because of COVID, I never recovered my sense of smell. <laughs> so I can't smell the cat spray right. anywhere. And the first night we came home. Uh, I actually was in bed sleeping oh. when Linda discovered <laughs> the fucking cat had sprayed, and she starts poking me and hitting me. Dave, the, you got to get up. And I'm like, what? I'm like wrapped up in a blanket that's covered oh. in cat urine. I'm like, yeah. what's the problem? Wait, wasn't it wet? I didn't notice. <laughs> and and, and this, this is weeks ago. And, and every, basically every day, basically, for... Not basically. Every day. We're every talking day. about 15 days. Well, I, I, 
have a sense of smell and I don't smell it at all. And I was just upstairs and I didn't smell it up there. And so I was near your bedroom and I, actually the kitty litter box didn't smell. Maybe you had COVID. Maybe you can't smell anything. I can smell. You sure? Yes, I can smell. Well, it's a good thing, but... No, but that actually, I'm, I'm really, I, Ray, I really appreciate that because I'm very, uh, I'm insecure about the smell of this house. Yeah, if, if, I, if you lived here, you maybe wouldn't smell it, but right. when I walked in, I didn't smell it, and I went upstairs, I didn't, when I went upstairs, I didn't smell it. You have to understand, though, I work at Katz's, and I make dopey. Linda takes care of the kids, and she gets rid of the cat smell. It's all she does. All day, she's spraying all these different products on different surfaces. And literally, every two hours, she goes, Dave, you're not going to believe it. The cat sprayed the... The, the radiator. Dave. What's, what's your time frame for when this has to stop by? Well, that's the question. Wow. But that's Nora question. has said, you tr- literally, word for word, you traumatized me by giving the dog away. So Linda refuses to give the cat away. We can't. We can't. And, and, and well, if, so this, this cat has to stop doing this. How, I don't know anything about this, but it has to stop. The cat's never going to stop. And the only thing that is keeping the cat in the house is the fact that I had COVID and I can't smell. Because if I smelled this cat spray, the cat would be gone. Or if the cat sprayed Nora's bed. Or if the cat sprayed Susan's bed. Well, I, I used to have cats and I liked having them. And I had a litter box in my apartment. And now when I visit people with a litter box, I'm just like gagging. And I'm like, this is gross. gross. Yeah. So today... Every day that the cat doesn't spray, we think we've won a victory. And, and Linda and I get into these fights because if we leave, the cat is so fucking evil and vindictive. But the cat does follow you guys around like a dog. I've never seen a cat like that. And wait, Ren Ray, like, how fun? Dave, you're so annoying. He's pointing. You sit back here. Ray, how, it's like they hear, don't hear me, you. Because me and Ray are sharing a microphone, and Dave keeps pointing. You're s- Talking to the microphone. You're going to make me have a brain aneurysm. All I care <laughs> about is that the dopey nation gets good sound. And you're like, so Ray, yeah, when the cat... It's like, you have to talk into okay, the mic, okay. please. Um, you should so, tell them about what happened when we recorded your podcast. But, but let me just say this. So when we talk about Onyx, because Ray just held Onyx in his arms in this like loving embrace not too long ago. Mm-hmm. And isn't it funny when you hear Onyx is evil and then you look at this kitten <laughs> with like a little pink, a little, we have this little collar with a little pink rose and she's so cute. And it's like, she's so sweet. And, and Ray was just snuggling with her. So she's a good girl, but she's spraying everything. And, and if she doesn't cut the shit, she might wind up. Listen to Linda. She's no. a good girl. Okay, check it out. I could never get rid of When Onyx. we walked into the bedroom uh, earlier today, one of us must have left it open for a minute. And when the door is open for a minute, the cat runs in, jumps on the bed, and sticks sprays. its ass out, and sprays, and then oh. runs out. Just our room. Just our bedroom. And Linda says, Linda says, I fucking hate this cat. <laughs> she, she, said, I, she said, she said, I look at that cat and I hate it because yeah. it keeps spraying all of my fucking shit. <laughs> is what that she is said. What I said. Um, that's what I said. But we love Onyx. Onyx is a beautiful little cat. And um, she has anxiety. I mean, listen, I'm a therapist. I really do appreciate mental health issues. And I'm not going to say get rid of something because it's struggling. And I, and I want us to. But we got rid of the dog when it was struggling. 
Let me see. But the dog bit somebody. No, the right, dog exactly did, right. The dog didn't bite anybody. The, da- the dog tried to bite my dad's face off. You forgot that. How did you forget that? But he didn't. She didn't. Ma- he didn't make contact. He didn't bite anybody. Right, but, but I'm glad Ray said that. There's a difference between Onyx spraying with anxiety and a do- and the dog trying to bite anyone who came in our house. All right, Onyx is very sweet. All right, I'm, we love I, you, Onyx. We're going to give you a, f- a, a few more weeks. My advice to Dave <laughs> on all of this, I'm like, whatever you do, do not get a dog. And then he got a dog. I'm like, whatever you do, do not get a cat. <laughs> it's true. And I'm like, I'm if ready. If we get rid of the cat, then when, what shouldn't we get? We're anything not getting. We're not getting anything else. We're not. I, I kind of want to. There, we saw this really cute um, hairless rat that I might get next. <laughs> she says to me. She says to me upstairs. She goes. I fucking hate this cat. We were better off with the dog. Yeah, I miss the dog. <laughs> All right, just stop it, okay? Now, we are going to reflect on the summer's most embarrassing moments. And when I asked Ray... Most embarrassing moments. Well, I, I'm the only person that has any written down. But I'm sure, like, you'll come up with some. Maybe Ray will come up with I, some. Yeah, Dave asked me to come up with them. I'm like, okay, no problem. And then I really thought about I'm like... I wasn't embarrassed at all this summer. <laughs> what about when you stirred up the hornet's nest with your protest thing? I wasn't embarrassed by that. You were in that. a shambles. What about when you had sex with the police officer over and over and over again and didn't tell your sponsor? That sounds wonderful. I wasn't embarrassed by that. What about the time that <laughs> you like, took... I was proud of that. ...that you took the pubic hair off of your bed... That's not true. ...put it behind your ear at night and in the morning <laughs> nuzzled it? What about that? No, like I gained a lot of weight. I'm, I'm really overweight. That's like the worst thing I could think of. What about when you gained the weight and your husband said it's because you're eating all this ice cream? Was that embarrassing? That's true. No. Nothing is embarrassing. I have no shame. No shame in Ray's game. Before I get into the embarrassing moments of the summer, I want to retell my favorite dopey story, non-dopey story, which got erased. It got erased because this woman came on the show and she decided we needed to take the show down. But this is like my favorite dopey, not dopey story. I'm going to tell it now. It's two years ago in the summer. And it was a rainy night and the baby was asleep and I think Nora was away. And Linda asked me to go get Mexican food. So I drove down to Salsa Salsa to get us some Mexican food. And I go and I pick up the Mexican food and I get out uh, and I leave the Mexican restaurant and I get back in our car and I put the key in the ignition, but the car won't start. And I'm freaking out and I'm jamming the key in the ignition ignition, and the car won't start and it starts raining really hard. But I look up and I see these two scumbag mechanics sitting out of a pizza place. Mm-hmm. So I said to the dude, I said, And I said, you know, I basically like, I'm an idiot from Manhattan. I don't know how to start the car. There's something wrong with the car. Can you get the car to start? And he gets in the car and and he he looks like he's in sober living or he's like fucking counting days. He hot wired your car? The car? No. So he takes the keys and he's like, he's like, start banging (laughs) the key against the ignition, just smashing the key against the ignition. Bam, bam. And he's like, I don't know, I don't know. And he's like, are you sure this is the right key? And I was like, yeah, it's the right key. Um, but I did, at the time, we had two Subarus, and I thought it was the other Subaru key. And I was like, I don't know. And, um, and he gets out of the car, and I'm like freaking out. And then I reach into the bottom of the door, and there's a set of keys. So I stick those in the ignition, 
and I start the car, and I figured Linda had left her keys in the car, mm-hmm. and um, and then I look over to the passenger seat, and like there's a big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, but it doesn't look familiar. And then there's then there's like a, a container which also doesn't look familiar. But I figured Linda must have gone out. Maybe she bought me a big book. Who knows? And uh, I start driving home. And then I look in the back of the car. Child seat isn't there. And I'm like, uh oh. <laughs> and I call up Linda and I said, I said, Lynn, did you take the child seat out of the car? And she's like, no. And I was like. Did you buy me a new copy of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous? She goes, no. Were you already driving now? Yeah, I was already driving. You're already like halfway home. I'm like halfway home on Montauk Highway. (laughs) I'm like, Lynn, did you you buy some new containers that we're going to start moving stuff with? (laughs) And that's when I realized I stole somebody's car. And I drove back, and it turned out it was the exact same car as mine. Same color. Same silver, outback Subaru wagon and the ladies there standing in the street because her car had been stolen. Found the keys. And and I had stolen her car. Um and then I came back and I gave her and I, I was like, I'm I'm so sorry I stole your car. <laughs> and then uh, I gave her the keys and I got but how crazy is that that she was in the fellowship also? Yeah. yeah. And and she you're lucky she didn't immediately call the police and put like an all points up for you. Yes, of course. But it's a pretty funny story, right? What do you think of that story? I'm imagining Dave being pulled over by like a swarm of police cars. Is there a problem? And him, if Dave like trying to explain it. Oh yeah, I mean, but if you saw, I mean, like to have I. The thing is, this morning I went to the meeting. So she had a, a set of keys in her car. Yeah, like it seems like that's what people here do. They just leave yeah. their keys in the car. Well, it's a very trusting place. Like we don't we don't lock our we don't typically lock everything. We, uh, we, we often leave our car keys in the middle console of the car. I've learned all of this from Linda. So he knew to, like, he knew to put his hand on the side oh. of the door and, uh, and that there'd be keys there because that's what we do, and there was. So that's really, you know, I feel like we shouldn't say this because people are going to be like, ooh, let's go to that town and... And steal, know, and steal their we, stuff, right. steal their cars well, and stuff. In, in, in my little town upstate, we didn't lock our doors and we didn't lock our cars. And then I think it was like kids in the neighborhood. Somebody was coming by and just stealing all the, not robbing the cars, but yeah, robbing the car, stealing stuff in the car <laughs> and siphoning gas out of the gas tanks. Terrible. We're lucky. I mean, like, I get nervous about it all the time because like... We, I, and I don't. And I think it's because... And I don't, because I guess because I live here, I don't think uh, it doesn't really happen that much. I think you worry about it because of where you grew up, maybe there was more crime. Like, there wasn't a lot of crime Where I grew here. up, there was a lot of crime. Oh, man. Yeah, but I'm saying. <laughs> number one, there was a lot of crime. Number two, I would steal from people. Number three, my right. friends would steal from people. Number four, my friends would steal from us. Right. Like, where, where Dave grew up is this beautiful, like, area like park where the buildings are and then right nearby there's like bad neighborhoods on three sides when you when you were young well when i was a kid though even where i even our buildings were bad and like i remember a ton of weird things that happened to us when we were kids there and and like fights and you know i was never actually mugged i've had a lot of like close encounters and a lot of like fights you know i lived like so near you for a long time, you were so you were like 
when you were 12, 13, 14, I lived, I lived above the Molly Wee. Oh, really? Yeah, I lived on top of the Molly Wee. I lived on 28th between 7th and 8th. So you were right there? Yeah. Crazy. Crazy, crazy, And then crazy. the Molly Wee was like crackland. That was in 80... That's I, Lewis's spot. That's, he loves that spot. Yeah, I lived, I lived above the Molly Wee in like 86, 87, and it was crack central. I don't think Lewis was copping crack, though. Lewis, were you? Um, what was I going to say? So now we're going to go into the embarrassing moments of the summer, of which Ray has none. Linda, can you think of any embarrassing moments of the summer? Embar- what, 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 do you mean, what do you mean by embarrassing? Like okay. What is, define embarrassing. Well, on my list... Do you have an example to give, maybe? I have a couple examples. <laughs> I have... Um, when we were in the country, and uh, we were watching... Maybe we were watching The Truman Show, which scared the shit out of Nora. She's still traumatized yeah. by The Truman Strange Show. Strange movie. Uh, I was eating some Dove dark chocolate in the squares that I love to eat, and I'm eating it, and all of a sudden, my entire crown comes off of my tooth in mm. the middle, just eating. Like, just, aren't you right. allowed to eat chocolate? And then I spit it out, and the fucking crown is sitting in the chocolate, and now I, I have one cracked, and now I lost another crown. And to me, that was an embarrassing moment. It's embarrassing because your teeth are just in such disarray because of your poor hygiene for, your, for the duration of your life for a long period of time. <laughs> it's embarrassing because you don't want to have an, a mouth that's all fucked up, and especially you, you get some time together, and you want to have a nice mouth. And I have yucky, a yuck mouth, not a your, nice mouth. Your mouth looks fine. Well, you can barely see. Um, but uh, <laughs> there is somebody in the Dopey Nation who says her father is willing to replace my teeth for free. Nice. So yeah. I'm going to take her up on it. Are you going to get dentures? It. Like, will they take your teeth out and put in, like, all fake teeth? I don't know, but I'm, I'm up for it. Because you my would, teeth... You would have all your teeth extracted no, and have, get, like... As long teeth. as they give me a lot of nitrous, no, I'll do get, it. You'll get implants. Yeah, I'll get... Whatever oh. he's gonna... Whatever he's willing to do, I'm gonna do it. And I'm gonna see this guy... I've did just, you hear what he... Did you hear what he said, though? As long as he gets, like, a lot of nitrous? That's, like, <laughs> the same... Like, in the same category as your NyQuil problem. Did you see people's posts lately about your NyQuil? No, what did they say? So, did you see it, Ray? Someone no, put, no. Someone posted the funniest thing about it was a recipe that someone made with how to like cook chicken like baked in Nyquil. Oh, I I saw that. It was and wrote, gross. And I wrote Dave is my, Dave might make this for dinner tonight, and it was really it was some people are posing some funny Nyquil. I, I drank some Nyquil recently. <gasps> yeah, I, oh, I, no. I I was up at the house and I was looking for something in the cabinet and I saw. There was NyQuil in there, and that was on my mind all day long. Why was it on your mind? Because of you. Dave. <laughs> <laughs> this then, is your fault. And then I talked to my sponsor at 6.30. I'm like, I found some NyQuil, and I'm not going to drink it. And then at midnight, I drank it. That's terrible, right? And I haven't told him that, so i got to tell him that on Monday. No, but what Dave, about fucking the Dave? cops? Hold on. When are you going to tell your sponsor about no, that? Don't, don't take away from what Ray's trying to say, that this is your fault. First of all, it's not my fault. You know whose fault it is? It's Ray's fault. Ray took the NyQuil out of the cabinet and he drank it. And I apologize uh, to Ray. Look, he's getting, he's getting defensive. I apologize to Ray. You tried to talk about, make it be about the cops. It didn't story. work. It didn't work. I was awake till 3 a.m. Oh. Okay. Well, well, that's good. NyQuil gives me 
my Z's. I thought I was going to immediately fall asleep, and it would be so beautiful. When I take NyQuil, I go to a magical place I call Dreamland. <laughs> and I dream the dream of the just, and I have the sleep of the, the restful. But I haven't taken NyQuil since that time I took it in the country. It turns out we left it in the country. But you, you know what? This is like my sponsor and his sponsor lineage does not, not believe in day counts, or we never say, I have this amount. And, oh. and this is why, because I drank some NyQuil, whatever, so it doesn't like... It doesn't take I me back. I the cop. Who I, cares? Yeah, Fuck it. It doesn't take me back. I mean, the cop. I talked to you in private about why I didn't tell my sponsor about that. Wow. Now, <laughs> I, now, I, now I feel badly you about should. it. You should. You should. Imagine if, if your sponsor listened to Dopey. That's what I'm afraid of. Because oh. tonight he's like, oh, you're out to do the show. And, you know, I'm like, yeah, we're going to do the show. Imagine if your sponsor and your husband got together oh my God. Oh. to listen to Dopey. They had a <laughs> private Dopey listening party. Um, oh would that be the, like, the biggest nightmare of your life? <laughs> Would it be? That would be bad. That would be bad. But right. What were you saying about your sponsor? He doesn't do the about the counting. He doesn't believe in, in counting because just because of that thing of like because then if you say you have X amount of time and then you drink some Nyquil or you do it's not like you're punished and you're like starting yeah. over and all that. Like he's like we don't believe in that. I know AA does and he's very staunch AA. But and I like that immediately. I'm like yeah. okay, I'm done with that. It also means you don't have to at every meeting go. My name is Ray, and I have 67 days or whatever it is. Well, the question is, Ray, how is it going? Well, I've, I haven't drank. I just drank some NyQuil. Not to mention, you, you're not counting days, but you're doing steps. I'm doing steps. I'm writing. Uh, I'm, I was helping Dave with his fourth step. I'm writing out this fourth step, understanding what it is, that we're going to like write all this stuff down, and then I'm going to release all that stuff into the universe and it's going to leave my life and it's going to change change me forever i'll be a changed man that's what my sponsor said well and i was like that's what i want yes I, I that's what i want too i'm going to redo my steps so i can stop resenting linda for all of her shenanigans <laughs> i i wrote down five fourth steps and then i wrote down a sixth and it was like dave um <laughs> i forgot i made up something dave looked at me funny <laughs> and like made me hurt my self-esteem and my pride. Dave. Oh my gosh, I totally relate to that stuff. And then I sent him a photo of this, and he, then I was like, I should have said this is a joke before I sent it, because then he immediately called me. He's like, oh my God. Well, it's like, <laughs> who do I resent? Dave. Why? Because he keeps talking about me fucking cops on the show <laughs> and flossing with, with, with pubic cops, hair. Plural. It's only one cop. Well, what if, and... Um, like I'm fucking the whole like the whole battalion. Squad. Yeah. Did you know, Len, that Ray used to be obsessed with this guy, and he would save the guy's pubic hair and floss his teeth with it? I, I have, I have heard this. I did not save it. I, I actually did the same thing, it. but we'll talk about that later, Ray. <gasps> oh. <laughs> All right, we're having a really good time going down memory lane. But why don't we play? This went from this took a 360 from before the show until when the show started. It's been a 360. What do you mean? Show. It's gotten much nicer. What do you mean? Do, do you remember 20 minutes ago? Well, no, it was. Well, we were 30 minutes into the show. So tell okay. me about. Please tell me about 20. What was minutes happening ago. 45 minutes yeah. ago? Tell yeah. me. You were running around screaming, yelling at, yelling at us. That doesn't sound like me. <laughs> well, let me let me just make let me just tell the story, okay? After the cat oh boy. sprayed Linda's blankets, she yes. got very upset. I did. And me, well, understand? I would be pissed yeah, too. Me being the incredible 
partner that I am, provider, caretaker, all around amazing person. Amazing person. I took her blanket and I put it in the laundry and I started the laundry and I went on and did a million other things that I have to do around this joint. Picked up dinner, came back here. And And then Linda's like, Dave, the... The blanket was too big for the washer. You have to take it to the laundry, and right? Do I do I talk? Do I no. talk like that? <laughs> no. okay. So I so I take. Wanna, you I know, take ask a, a reasonable person. Also, I listen. There's a comedian called Bill Burr, and he has a podcast. He makes his wife and his child come on the podcast and say, "You are a wonderful husband. You are a wonderful <laughs> father." That's a nice idea. Yeah, <laughs> Linda would never. Linda would never. And I'm I'll, do the, I'll come in. I'll. I, I'll come on and do the opposite. You piece of shit, idiot. All right, just, just take it easy. Okay, just relax. So, so Linda's like, you got to, you know, you got to take it to the to the laundromat. But Linda, say mirror. Say how you say mirror. Mirror. <laughs> mirror. Anyway, so I and and the the women. And excuse me, all women in the universe right now, but the women at the laundromat are at this particular place. Listen, because for some reason, for some reason in our town, if you run a laundromat, you're like the biggest scumbag piece of shit in the world. You go there, they fucking complain to me about too much <laughs> having too much laundry. But it's, maybe it's something about working in a laundromat makes you like really mad. That's what Linda said. Um, I did. But so we used to go to we used to go to this laundromat that was run by a guy that Linda went to high school with, yeah. and the dude would he would be like, "I hope you put your socks together this time." <laughs> it's like cocksucker, I'm paying you to fucking put Wait, the socks. I together. picked up my laundry today and I found my socks, and it was like these people that work there are like. What the fuck? Here's two things that kind of because none of my socks match, and they're like, <laughs> "We're gonna try to put two things that look sort of alike together." And God bless them, they did that. Aww. But when I was having a bad time, and I was like 24, I'd lived in New York for four years, and I was having trouble, and I moved back to my hometown, and I got a job at the laundromat. So now I'm 24 years old, and one of my classmates from high school, who's now very successful, came in and dropped off his uh, dirty clothes uh, for me to wash. Yeah. Was it embarrassing? Was that the that most embarrassing, embarrassing moment yeah, of that, that summer? Yeah. Well, that's like what Dave used to say when he would be waiting tables. And somebody would come in, and he'd have to wait on them. Yeah. Oh my right? god! It was like, a, like, and he used to get like people would be like, "Oh, I'm gonna go to Katz's, and, and is Dave working?" So you know, and he'd be like, and I'd be all excited. He's like, "That's not some fucking bonus for me. Like, I don't want to have to serve them sandwiches." When people from my high school would come to Katz's, it would be like, "Oh." How may I take your order? <laughs> it's just like it is. The, How may I wash your underwear? Oh my god! It was, but like, but the dude, right? The dude that Linda was friendly with owned the laundromat. It was his business. Oh. I wasn't friendly with him, but I went to high school with him. But he yeah. loved you. I mean, like, my point is not. It, it's so these women. I we stopped going to him because I got tired of him giving me shit. Like yeah. I was like, how we get lectured about like if, if we we if we brought clothes, he he basically said that we were bringing clothes that we didn't turn inside um, out. If it was inside out, he was going to charge us extra if for each had piece to of clothing. Oh my god! And Dave was like, when you're when you're <laughs> paying for this type of service. I'm not going to do anything to my laundry besides drop it off. Yeah, no. I'm not going to like 
take the stains out or, or turn it right side out or inside in. Or That's right, what you're whatever. paying for. That's what you're paying for. Exactly. I mean, th- I, I don't turn anything inside. It's a I, luxury service. I always love the signs in laundry, like real laundry mats, that urge you to t- take all the bullets and out of your clothes. Oh, they, they give a list of things to please remove before you put it in the laundry right. machine. It's bullets. Yeah, well, it's now, bullets. and in reality, in reality, right, if I worked in a laundromat, I would be exactly like these people. I would lose my fucking... This motherfucker doesn't turn it. How hard is it to turn your shirt inside out? I mean, I would lose my fucking mind. But the women, I replaced the guy with these women, and they are, excuse me for saying this, the cuntiest women in the world. And they yell at me every time I bring stuff in. Literally. Every time. Do you have any bath mats in there? Do you have any towels? They're like... They're like they have voices like the Simpson, like Marge's <laughs> sisters. They're like grab, like you got any towels in there? And like, um, and I'm like, why are you yelling at me? I pay you. And then they start laughing. Like when I say that, they're like, ah. <laughs> and um, so tonight I'm bringing the 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 blanket was in covered the washing in, machine. Covered in spray. No, no, but we had, we had washed it, right. and it was too heavy that the washing machine couldn't handle spinning it. And Linda tried to spin it like three times, right. and it wouldn't spin. So I take it out there. It weighs like 100 pounds. It's fucking heavy. And I take it in there. And those women aren't there. But it's like their version of Cinderella. The woman that they make work at night is there, who's very nice. And she goes, <laughs> she goes, oh, she goes, she goes, well, I'll take it and wash it, but that's going to cost you 20 bucks. Why don't you just put it in the machine? It's two bucks, and I'll call you when it's ready. I You're was like... like I was, like, this yeah. lady. <laughs> I was like, I was like, wait, I was like, do the women know that you do this? And I was like, I was like, thank they, you, Cinderella. I was like, they yell at me. She's like, they yell at everybody. <laughs> um, but we got the blanket back. Yeah. And um, it was, I mean, I don't know. I, well, you, I, you used to yell at customers at catches. That's right. I know. This is this is. I, I who did I yell at? You yelled at you, your. Customer. You yelled at my friend's parents on Hanukkah. <laughs> oh Tell Linda the story. It's a good story. I was I, my friend Max is over, and he's like, "Yeah, we went to catches, and your friend was so mean to my parents." And I was like, well, "Did you tell him that you're a friend of mine?" He's like, "No." I was like, well, "You should have. Then he wouldn't have yelled at you." But then d- I texted Dave while he, my friend is there, and, he, and Dave was like, "Yeah, that's probably true." Well, I mean, now- did, he, did he say what, why he yelled? Was it because they ordered something that they shouldn't have? I, I can't remember. There's, ne- there's never usually a rhyme or reason for your, I, your um, behavior. But Dave, Dave can get away with this because something about Dave's personality, like his like goodness shines through his face at the same time as he's <laughs> acting crazy. That's true. <laughs> well, so you're saying, basically what they were saying was that before we started to do the show, um, I was crazed. I was angry. Oh, well, tonight. Oh, well, yeah. Because oh, yeah. I had to put the baby to bed. I'm fucking putting the baby to bed. I I sing her a song. I sing her the song John the Rabbit. You want to sing a little, a few bars? It goes, John the Rabbit. Yes, ma'am. Has a mighty habit. Yes, ma'am. And so it's about a rabbit that has a habit of stealing vegetables. Yeah. So it's like about this junky, junky rabbit, you know, with a habit. <laughs> but Susan doesn't like it when I sing that song now. She goes, no. And then I try to sing Linda's song, which is, which is uh, American Pie. Yeah, long, long, long time. time ago. She goes, no, mommy, sing that. <laughs> and I go, I go, Susan, what do you want me to sing? And she goes, 
all the tired horses in the sun. Oh. And that's what I sing her. I sing her Bob Dylan, all the tired oh, horses really? in the wow. sun. And I she, she, I don't know why she likes well, it. Well, it's like a nursery rhyme. She knows yeah. every word to uh, Mother, do you think they'll drop the bomb? Wow. Mother, do you think they'll light That's the sun? Sad. She I'm goes, not sure I she feel goes, about this. Mother, do you think they'll try to break my balls? And she knows it. <laughs> I hope you get a videotape of this to show her when she's grown. I should record her singing it. I, I was going to do it tonight. Um, and it took her 45 yeah. minutes to go to sleep. And I come down. Linda's drinking red wine and talking to Ray like they're the real housewives of he Suffolk County. He gets jealous that me and Ray, like, we, every time Dave comes Ray down. I was scared Ray relapsed in here. Wow. Every time Dave comes, because when, when Ray comes over, Ray and I wind up having fun chatting, and Dave comes down, and he's, like, he's aggravated because he's missed some good conversations. And he, he thinks you've ruined me for the show. Like, right. I only have so many words in me. Well, that's, that's, <laughs> that's possible. That is true. But the, and then I ran. And then I ran to get the then blanket. Then tried to make coffee. The coffee machine didn't work. The printer just didn't work. Having a tantrum. Anyway, moving on. Yes. So I think it's time to deviate from the summer show and play a dopey voicemail. Are you guys ready for a dopey yep. voicemail? Yep. Or do you want to hear more embarrassing moments of the summer? If I play a vo- dopey voicemail, will you leave and not come back, Len? I mean. Ray and I have already shared. We don't. You're the one with the embarrassing moments. No, Do I, you have more to share? I I did. I sent a text to somebody that was not who it was intended for, and that was embarrassing. Who was there? What was there? I was talking to a friend of mine about how hot this woman that we both know is, and she posts pictures of her in a bikini. Was it Linda? It was not Linda, and uh, <laughs> and I replied what I thought was to Charles, but it was to. The woman. The woman. <gasps> not the woman, like another woman. So it just looked like I randomly said something What'd about... What did say? I said, she looks really hot in a bikini. I think she's, she's definitely over 50. She's maybe close to 60. So he was complimenting her. It was complimenting, but it was like a man judging a woman's yeah. body and... But I think I would, if Ray was straight, I don't think I think it would have been a different reaction. But Ray, as a gay man, complimenting uh, a hot older woman, it's totally not skeevy. I don't. And then it's I, appreciation. I, then I wrote to the woman. I was like, I sent that by accident. That was just me and a friend talking about somebody in the scene. <laughs> and what did she say? She's never responded. <laughs> really, she never responded. No, it's so it's awkward. I think it's time to play a voicemail. I think it's time to put some dopey into this dopey. Dope um, it up. Here we go. This is from a dude in California named John. What's up, Dave? What's up, Dopey Nation? This is John calling out of Oakland, California. I've been meaning to call in and leave this story for a while. And Dave, when you asked the listeners to call in and leave a story on the last episode you did with Z-Man from the Long Beach Sublime scene... Uh, who I'm a huge fan of. Um, that was the, law, the last straw I needed to hear to finally do this. Um, a little bit about me, Dave. I'm also a Jewish junkie. Um, my neurotic mind, when it found opiates, it was just the best thing ever. And I was addicted to opiates for eight years. Um, it started with uh, Norcos, little yellow Norcos, moved up to Oxys, just popping them. Started smoking the Oxys, which is got to be the gnarliest thing you can smoke, right? Smoking a pill. And I smoked thousands of them. Um, Moved on to smoking heroin and then moved on from that to smoking fentanyl. And here uh, in the Bay Area, uh, especially in the Tenderloin, which is basically like the Kensington, Philadelphia of the 
West Coast. The Tenderloin District in San Francisco is just the gnarliest place you've ever seen. Straight up tent city, drug dealer land, open air drug market, and the cops don't even arrest people for selling drugs anymore. It's just that bad. Anyway, um, you know, and I'll, I'll let you know how I'm doing now after I tell this story. So this is back when I was just buying pills. And I pull up to the block in the Tenderloin. I had made my commute, my daily commute from Oakland um, over to the Tenderloin. And I pull up and I see a dude I'd never seen before. Now, on this particular day, I was short on cash. Okay, I didn't have any. And though this guy was huge and intimidating, you know, I wasn't going to get out of my car. I was going to stay in my car. I was going to do a bogus drug deal and hand him a bunch of ones and drive off. So I think I got like... Six pills, each one's 30 bucks, and I handed him like 22 ones, right, and just skirted off. And I think the fact that this dude knew right then that he had gotten robbed by like a white boy in a Prius uh, really, really rubbed him the wrong way, right? Um, And so I didn't think too much of it. I'd gotten away with it. I'm back there, you know, again. You know, I I go every day, but uh, it, it it was a week later or something like that. And I see this other dude that I used to um, buy pills from. And I I had gone around the block a couple times just to make sure the other dude wasn't around, right, the guy that I robbed. Pull up, see this other guy. He he asked me if he can get in my car, which um, I'm not usually down with, but I really, really wanted my drugs. And I knew this guy from before. I knew he had real drugs, you know, real pills. And he, he he was kind of a smaller dude, wasn't that intimidating. So I said, sure, get in. What I didn't know was that this guy was friends with the person that I had robbed, of course, had saw me uh, driving around uh, the block and told the guy that I robbed who was there to hide because they were going to set me up. So this dude gets in my car, and he's taking out his pills. I'm taking out my money. And in the, out of the corner of my eye, I see the dude running towards my car, right, the guy that I had robbed. I, fr- I frantically roll up my window, and as he's running, gets to my car, he just throws a giant punch and cracks the window right next to my face, right, the driver's side uh, window. Cracks it right in the middle. Starts beating up on my car and yelling. Everyone's watching. There's like 80 drug dealers and 80 homeless people fucking watching. And I go to accelerate. You know, I, I go to, to turn the key, to, to turn on the ignition, and the dude in my car is fucking holding the keys in place. I can't leave. He's also trying to unlock the door so this other person can probably get in there and stab me or whatever. I end up holding this dude down with one arm, turning on my car, and just accelerating. And I don't even look where in front of me before I hit the gas, and I almost hit a bunch of people. I make a, a left turn, almost kill some more people, and the guy's in my car, and I'm like please get out of my car. And he's like, give me my pills back. And he shows me the gun he has. So of course it's like, okay, dude, game over. I hand him back the pills. Uh, my, my car comes to a stop and the dude gets out. Now as his door opens, the, the guy that I had robbed had been running after the car, smacks into the other dude getting out of my car. They both fall, hit the pavement and I skirt off. And in my mirror, I see them rolling on the ground as I Skirt off. Now, this freaked me out, and I didn't get my drugs, right? So I go home, and I'm sick, and I decide, I'm so freaked out, I'm just going to kick. So (laughs) I decide to quit drugs, right? 
about a week later, after going through seven days and nights of fucking pure hell, um, I decide, you know, I need some Xanax. I need something to help me sleep. This is just too hard. I go back to the hood and I pull up. And this is just, this goes how, just, it just shows how insane addiction is. Like, why would someone go back to the same neighborhood? You know, like, but I did. And I get out of my car and I ask another dude if he has Xanax. I also recognize this dude too. And he does. And as I'm buying the Xanax from this guy, I feel a tap on my right shoulder, right? I turn around and it's the dude that I robbed. And he's looking at me dead in the eye about a foot away from my face. And I could see in his eyes that he was sick and he was struggling. There's something up with him. And in a low voice, he says, hey, man, you got my money? And that's it. And luckily, I had 60 bucks in my other pocket. And I, I reached my pocket and gave him the cash. And he walked off. And he could have easily killed me right then and there. And I just, you know, I, I'm so lucky to be alive right now. Um, so that's, that was a little three-part dopey story uh, taking place in the Tenderloin out here. San Francisco Bay Area. Um, Dave, uh, I want to say that, uh, you know, Dopey has helped me so much. I have a couple months off opiates now, and I actually have a couple weeks off marijuana as well. Um, I'm on Suboxone, and it has, I I used to be against Suboxone for a really long time, but it has really helped me, uh, you know, work towards getting my life back. And, um, you know, I, I do plan to get off Suboxone, but, but right now I'm just so happy to not be on, on drugs again. Um, and everything's slowly falling into place. So thank you so much, Dave, for what you do. You rock. I love you, Dave. I love you. Dopey Nation. Stay strong. And toodles for Chris. I love that voicemail. Yeah, I like it too. Now, Ray, do, what are you talking about? I was just looking at Tenderloin on the map, and I was like, how could Tenderloin be this sketchy area in the middle of, like, the most expensive real estate in the United States. I've never understood that. It's not Tenderloin, though. It's the Tenderloin. The Tenderloin. Um, where does that... Does anyone know where that uh, name comes from? Well, the Tenderloin, it's a cut of steak, Tenderloin, and it's probably in between two other pieces of meat, which is probably why it's called Tenderloin, right. probably because it reflects the way... Um, the steak is, but I love John's voicemail. Yeah. I love a million things about it. I love, um, you know, the the best thing about it is the dealer just wants his money. You know what I mean? Like you yeah, can he robbed a drug dealer, but you can rob a dealer. The dealer, if he gets his money, doesn't take it personally. He knows you're a piece of shit junkie. He knows that's part of it's all in the game kind of thing. And once you give the dealer his money, you're just the customer again. I mean, I, I, uh... So, well, it's almost like it's not personal. It's definitely not right? personal. Like, it, like, right? It's, there's not, there's not, no one feels personal about it. They just want, like, once you give them the money or once you give the person the drugs, there's no relationship anymore. Oh, cause, and they have to give money to somebody else. I mean, right. they're, they're not making the drugs. Well, or, or maybe they bought it already. Right. Um, they've, they've been fronted that, and they have to return that amount. Mm-hmm. I never robbed... I mean, I had dealers who were like lifelong friends, you know, who seemed like lifelong friends, and they would come to they'd come to my house every day. I would basically pay for their life, and like I was just like, you know, everybody at Katz's, every Dominican guy at Katz's was like, I wish I had you for my customer 
when I used to be out there. Because that's the kind of customer I was. I was if I didn't have money, I'd be like, I'll have money next week, and they knew that I would. But when I was in a bad way, you'd go to downtown LA, and you can you could put like me and Todd used to do scams like that all the time, and the people would never find it. But um, I also just love that John's doing so well, and that uh, and that dopey means something to him. And I also like hearing about neurotic Jews who become strung out on opiates because I can really relate to that. Now, I, I know like we've been jumping all over the place. But Ray, what what got you to the point where you knew you were an alcoholic? Um, well, <laughs> I you know I'm I'm going to do that dopey speaker in soon in the future coming up. So I was kind of thinking about that. I've I've done a qualification a few times, and I had to think back, like actually think what my history with alcohol was, and I thought it would be like. I'm an alcoholic who dabbled in drugs. And when I started writing down everything, I'm like, oh, fuck, I've done, like, a shit ton of drugs. But I never, like, every time I would get free alcohol, unlimited alcohol, I had a problem uh, from, like, age, you know, 15 until, you know, whenever. But it was only around age 30 that I struck my mind, like, I can go to the store and buy alcohol and get wasted every night. And that's when that started, was uh, early 30s. And I started doing that every day after work. I would stop and get a six-pack on my way home. And then it was a 12-pack, and then it was like a 12-pack and a little bottle of, like, Jim Beam or something. So prior to 30, you drank, prior to 30, you were just like a heavy drinker. I was a problem drinker. If I, I went to a party, I would be the one that would pass out, and I, I would always get, like, blackout drunk and cause a problem but i didn't do it on my own i only did it when there was free unlimited alcohol and there was always drugs though from when you were a teenager well i started smoking pot when i was 14 and then um i i, I wanted drugs so bad before like when i was six years old there was a thing on um 60 minutes called these are hippies. This is I'm Mike Wallace, and this is uh, Hate Ashbury. These are hippies, and I was watching it with my parents and my sister, and they're like, "Oh my god, this is terrible!" And I was like, "I want to take acid. I want to hear. I want to feel music. <laughs> I want to feel the. I want to see the music. <laughs> I want to. I want to. Yeah, I want to taste colors. I wanted it so bad." <laughs> and they were talking about pot too. So really early, I was looking for pot growing beside the road. Like from the school bus or from like after Wait, church. So how old were you when you saw the uh, Mike Wallace? That was hey, I was six. Oh, and you were like I. I know, want it's, that. It's funny because when I was thirteen or something, I uh, I had a job babysitting on my street, and I babysat these kids, and they were showing the Beach Boys biopic like Endless Summer or mm -hmm. something, and every Beach Boys biopic they have the part. Where Brian Will or Dennis Wilson becomes friends with uh, Charlie Charlie Manson. Yeah, with Charles Manson. Yeah. <laughs> and every time when I was like in my early teens, I was like, something would happen to me when I would see the hippies, and I would be like, <gasps> like like you I get like a little tingly. I would get so tingly, I would feel it 
in my in my forearms, wow. like my veins. You wanted to join the family, like immediately. But I also was terrified of it. I was like, because I was from like the most quintessential Jewish home in the world. But I had the exact same reaction to the hippies that you did. But then I continue. I I thought maybe there's like hippies in my town. Maybe they've dropped a marijuana seed and it has sprouted. So after church, I would say to my parents, "I'm going to go sit in the car and listen to the radio." And I would actually wander around looking. This was downtown. Maybe downtown somebody's accidentally grown pot by accident, and I thought I could find it. And I was like, I don't know, 10, 11 years old. And you, when you, how, what was the scenario when you first did it when you were 14? When I, uh, a friend of mine in high school, and I uh, slept over at his house, and we uh, smoked pot. First Coke? What? What was your first Coke? First Coke was, oh, that was the day I moved to New York, the first day I was here. So my friends were all like punk rockers in Tallahassee, and then they moved up three months before me, and then I moved up in the fall. And when I got here, they had all become junkies by then. And I got to 14th Street in Brooklyn, and they got a, did a syringe with Coke and dope, and they put it into that vein. So the first time you did Coke, you shot a speedball? First, yes. And I was like, and it blew the top of my head off. And I projectile vomited, and then that was that was what we did then. How old were you then? Twenty. But you didn't become addicted to any of that stuff. Not really, and I I didn't do coke very much. I've never done coke that much. No, um, me neither. Um, Linda did a lot of coke, but I could never afford to do coke like properly. Everyone would buy Linda coke. She didn't have to spend that much money. But I did do heroin, and I did heroin every day for like. Years, maybe not. Every, we, we would do it. We do it Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and then we do it Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and then it got to be like, and, and we were buying it in Alphabet City, like in these scary abandoned buildings where you put the money in the bucket and all that, and they had guns on, you know, guns drawn on us. I always wish I had put the money in the bucket, <laughs> but yeah, I had a little bit. Like I, I never did it as much as my friends, who all definitely got habits, and some of them died, and. And I stopped shooting it, which I've never heard anybody say. Like, we were shooting it, and I'm like, my arms are all fucked up, and there's bruises and scars. I'm just going to snort it. So I switched over to that. I've never heard anyone say that. I didn't like track marks. But we would have to put fake track marks on to go into that. To get served. To get served. So how did you do fake? We'd take a ballpoint pen and put dots and then take a yellow magic marker and smear it all around so it looked like a bruise. That's crazy. Um. So Dopey Nation, and, and, and when did the alcoholism become bad? Uh, almost immediately, because that was like early... Was th- drug of choice, you feel like? Uh, yeah, I would say my drug of choice is alcohol, meth, and heroin. But alcohol is sold on every corner. Um, and I, by the time I was 40, I was, you know, I'd, I'd already fallen down a bunch and hurt myself. I you know, broke my arm. I split my head open. I fell downstairs a lot. And I would get into fights a lot. But, yeah, I, I blacked out every night of my life from age 31 until 54. Well, I mean, we never talked. I mean, you've been on the show a million times, and we've never really talked about this. But um, when I met Ray, it was the first time I had ever been sober, and it didn't stick. And it was at this 
we talked about this a bunch of times. This this uh, very cat very weasel. bohemian uh, open mic night called Cat Weasel, like a salon. And Ray was like the mayor of Cat Weasel, <laughs> but Ray was drunk as shit, and he would bring like a flask of vodka and like, and I was like as sober as you could be. Like I was like frigid sober, and, you and definitely yeah, sober. yeah, I was like I was a mess. I was a sober mess. And you, and it was not a place to be if you were sober because mm-hmm. everybody. There was no sober people there. Everybody was fucked up. I was, was the only up. one. Yeah. And, uh, and I never stopped talking about drugs, though. Well, like, I didn't know you very well. I knew you from there. And then you were playing a gig with Bo, and I'm not sure if I was on that bill also, but it was at Don Pedro's, and I rode the train with you. Or no, you told me this at Cat Weasel. You told me, like, straight up when I met you, like, I'm a recovering heroin addict and this and that. <coughs> and, um... Then I rode out to Don Pedro's with you, and you told me your whole story, and I was like, whoa. Like, I really didn't know you that well at that time. You know, I put up some videos of those show of your band. As a classic. I, lo- <laughs> I look like, like 30 years younger if you watch You're that. You're like a, a pencil. You're so skinny. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, but I think uh, I can't wait till you do your uh, dopey Zoom qualification. I think it's going to be epic. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. It's gonna the be fun. other side of Ray. I always want. I never say your last name on the show, and there's no reason not to. You say you said it tonight. I did. Yes. I don't think so. I don't think I did. Um, did I say it tonight? Yes. I don't think I did. Uh, it's Brown. The other side of Ray Brown <laughs> coming soon to the Dopey Zoom. Now, before we go, without further ado. It is time to get to the Cat Marnell situation. Uh-oh. And uh, we need a drum roll. You know who's dying to get in on the Cat Marnell story is our friend Sam. Show oh, dopey boy. producer and our great friend Sam. Here we go. <laughs> Sam. Hello, Sam. Hello. <laughs> That's your natural answering the phone voice. Hello, this is Sam. <laughs> it's more like hello. All right, and we're not, we're not. Hello, Sam. Welcome back to the show. How are hello, you? Sam. Hello, uh, Sam's residence. Uh, it's nice to be back on the show. Always. Hello, Linda. Hello, Ray. Hello, Dopey Nation. Hey, Sam. All right. Um, so we're gonna do this Cat Marnell story, and I think the most important thing is to trace back. The story of Cat Marnell and Dopey. And I'm going to tell you the story, okay? Okay. Uh, basically, I didn't know who Cat Marnell was, but a bunch of people told me how great Cat Marnell would be on the show. She wrote this amazing drug memoir, and we should have her on the show. So I went on Twitter, and I wrote, Cat Marnell, you should come on the show. And she basically ignored me, and I didn't really think about it again. And How th- many times did you write her? In the first place, I think I wrote her once or twice. In the first place, okay. you know, okay. and that was when Chris was still alive. Like we didn't really care who came on the show. I wasn't. I was only desperate about getting Artie on the show in the first place. And then mm-hmm. after Chris died and the This American Life piece came out, Kat Marnell wrote me and said, uh, "I'm definitely your people. Uh-huh. Uh, I I uh, <laughs> I want to come on the show." And she gave me her number. I called her that morning at like seven in the morning 
and she was mm-hmm. in France, and she said, I'll come on the show eventually. And I was like, great. And that was opening up Pandora's box for me because <laughs> then I became as annoying as shit as I often do, and I wrote her at least once a week for like a year. And I, and I also tweeted at her publicly. And, uh, and some dopey fans got in the mix, including, you know, dopey, rabid English fan Justin England. And Justin England wrote Kat Marnell. And Kat Marnell was convinced that Justin England wasn't a person in England, but was me. And anybody that ever retweeted a tweet at Kat Marnell, she assumed was me. And I kept writing her and writing her and writing her. And then she got really annoyed and she said, please stop writing me. And I kept writing her and then she blocked me. <laughs> and, um, and, I fed, and, I, and I was embarrassed. You know, up till that point, Artie had, you know, dodged me, lied to me, hadn't come on the show, this, that, the other thing. David Crosby had blocked me on Twitter. What? I'm still blocked by David Crosby. Um, I've... I've I've been a nudge to a lot of people. Marin ignores my texts. Like, there's a bunch of people that I've annoyed to the point of being a little bit of a nuisance, I have to admit, to be honest. Yeah, well, a nudge is putting it mildly. That's downright <laughs> stalkery, but, you know, you got to do what it takes to get people on the show. Listen, the only person I came close to stalking was Artie. And, right. I mean, like, oh, and then how I was creepy with Courtney Love, too. I, I mean, <laughs> listen, I'm not perfect. I've done... A lot of things I'm not proud of, you know. Being persistent with Kat Marnell was not, I wasn't particularly not proud of it. That just seemed like what I had to do. I, I just think that's a funny statement, like, I was creepy with Courtney Love. <laughs> I was creepy with Courtney Love, you know. And I'm, that's and I, a name, that, yeah, that's a, name, a good name for a song. <laughs> or like a chapter of a, of a book, I was creepy yeah. with Courtney. Um, I just watched uh, uh, The People versus Larry Flint, and I was thinking about texting Courtney and telling her that I was watching it. But then I thought better of it and decided not to do it. Anyway, Tell her how good she was in it. Yeah, I did that when I watched... I love you. I did that when I watched um, her in uh, Man in the Moon, and she didn't respond. Anyway, regardless, I'm done being creepy and stalkery with these celebrities. But let's get back to the Kat Marnell story. Kat Marnell was off the radar. She had blocked me when she put out her, sec- her second book, Self-Tanner for the Soul. And, and she decided she was going to do press. And out of nowhere, she wrote me and said she would come on Dopey. And I was like, holy shit. And I read her book, How to Murder Your Life. And I have to say, How to Murder Your Life may have been the best drug memoir I ever read. I read that book, and I... I was just blown away by her voice, her originality, her writing technique, just her voice. Her, her voice was so specific, and I could really like get her from it that I was just super excited to have her on the show. And um, I remember I was listening to her book. After Artie had come on the show, I was stalking Artie to come back on the show. And it was a day I was working for Katz's, and I was listening to How to Murder Your Life on Audible, and I took the ferry to Hoboken with a pair of dopey socks and a letter, and I went to Artie's building, and I dropped it off for him. I didn't, like, go upstairs or call up, but that's, like, I was... And it was, like, interesting that I was actually listening to Kat Marnell's book while I was stalking Artie. Anyway, Kat Marnell agreed to come on the show, and... um, But still, she was, like, 
don't be so crazy. Don't be so pushy. Don't be so this. Don't be so that. I was like, all right. So she came to my dad's house, and I brought her a dopey hoodie. I brought her a bunch of hats, and she was on the show, and I really enjoyed the interview. And, uh, and after the interview, the dopey nation hated her. And uh, I'd say the only people that the dopey nation hated nearly as much as Kat Murnell would have had to have been Andy Dick. Yep. I can't think of For any, sure. anybody that received that level of vitriol disgust that Kat and Andy did. And I was very upset about it because I thought Kat Murnell, you know, she wasn't like, uh, she wasn't the typical recovering addict. She wasn't the typical, I'm in recovery and I've had a spiritual awakening and I'm on a moral plane or this or that. She was very different than that. But I didn't mind because... Like, frankly, I was awed by her talent, and I thought she was cool, and I was excited that she was in our orbit. And the Dopey Nation went crazy. And, um, and I was so upset about it that I did a Patreon episode defending Kat Marnell, reading from her book, and, and hoping that she wouldn't notice this level of, of hatred from the Dopey Nation. Or she, she could or see it, right? Hold on, hold on. Patreon episode. Say it again. Right. Or somehow that she heard your Patreon episode where you're trying to smooth the waters and, and really letting her know that you were actually a big fan of hers. I didn't for a second think that she would have heard the Patreon episode. I did keep texting with her, though, and she was like, we should go go see Artie live together. And if you get Artie back on the show, I want to go. And it seemed like we were cool, you know, and uh, a few months passed and COVID happened. And I wrote her, and I was like, you should call into the show and do a check-in during COVID. And that's when she said, um, I don't think so. And I said, I said, why? And she goes, well, there's some weird shit going on in the Dopey Nation. And I was like, yeah, not everybody's a fan. Or I said, or I was trying to talk like millennial. And I said, there's probably a lot of haters out there. <laughs> and she said, um, she said, I know it's you. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, um, I know you make fake accounts, and I know that you've written about me from different people's names. And I also have to retread on this, that when she was at my dad's house, I actually read her a conversation that I had with Justin England, and she was convinced that I wrote both sides of the conversation. <laughs> so, um, you know, she was on the phone with me, and that night she tweeted some nasty shit about me, um, and then she took it down, and she blocked me, and she told me never to reach out to her again, and that I was crazy. And I figured that that would be the end of this thing. You know what I mean? Right. So she's blocked you twice now. Yes. She blocked yes. me twice. And, yeah. and, and I am a bit hard-headed with this stuff, right? I'm, I'm, right. You could say I'm persistent, or you could say I'm crazy, or you could say, I don't know. You could say any of these things. Yeah, I'd like to say that you're persistent. <laughs> Well, I am persistent. Linda, Linda can attest to my persistence. Um, so in the end, you know, I think I probably wrote her a few times between then and now. And, I, and you know, just like nice sort of things, like I hope you're well and I, I really would love to have you back on the show. And, I, you know, I, I definitely didn't write anything about you or whatever. And then I think we were, Linda, the family was doing something and Matt Wiedemeyer Carroll wrote something on Twitter about her. 
And I thought he had just seen the post and read it because somebody in Reddit had posted the tweet she had tweeted months ago and erased it. And I said, Matt, don't talk about Kat Marnell. She's going to get all upset. And it turned out that that was from last week. So see Right. It was, so that, yeah, that tweet, the tweet in question was Saturday, uh, or sorry, Friday the 4th. It was exactly a week ago today. What was the tweet? And the tweet, the tweet reads as follows. Uh, Dopey Nation is a scam. Oh. Fake podcast. <laughs> you ready for this? Yeah. Yes. Fake podcast network from former Stern-obsessed, almost whackpacker. If you go on a show, he creates fake Reddit threads trashing you. It's all lies. Uh, trust no one. You'll be DM'd by his fake accounts forever, too. Make, makes you paranoid and weird. Well, I think I, you know. I don't think I. I don't think I read. Paranoid and weird. That's like a strange thing to say. Well, I mean. Makes you weird. Well, I'll say this: that um, it you just. I, I don't think I read that clearly. What happened was Kat Marnell was on Reddit, and she saw the Reddit post, and that's where she thought this had happened from. Because I don't think that's she's, right. I don't think she's in Dopey Nation, and um, and then I wrote her, and I was like, "What the fuck." Like, why are you writing about this again? And she wrote, you are a psycho. Leave me alone. <laughs> and, um, and the truth is this. I, I was creepy to Courtney Love. I was stalkery to Artie. I was persistent to Kat Marnell. I've done a million things over the years that I've regretted doing. However, this was not one of them. And, right. and, and Kat Marnell coming down at me that I was a fraud, it fucked me up. You know, it made me yeah. feel like, uh, what if I am a fraud? And, and, like, it's weird to make a lot of mistakes and then actually not make a mistake and be accused of making a mistake. It's like the boy who cried wolf, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, well, during that, I'm going to remind you that during that interview that happened uh, in October of last year, 2019, the show dropped on the 25th. It was episode 210. And during that interview, she accused you of ha having the fake Twitter accounts. She thought you were a fraud all along, but I think she was just in, in hyper PR mode for her, her for self-tanner for the soul. So that's why she agreed to do it, probably against her, you know, paranoid and weird better judgment. So you're saying that when she came on the show, yeah, you're saying that when she came on the show, she believed all these, the same things. I do. I, I, I mean, I, I have to think that she did that. And I think that she just came on anyway. Um, wasn't she going to some Vanity Fair, you know, basketball shoot afterwards? So she was just in PR mode. Well, she so I think that um, I loved that interview. I thought she was she was actually it was actually one of one of my favorite. She's one of my favorite guests. And um, I, my theory is that she was incredibly vulnerable with Dave, and Dave kept trying to sort of. Um, poke holes in her insecurities. What are you talking about? Because she was very insecure, and she was sharing a lot of insecurities throughout the interview. Um, and you kept trying to say to her, like, it's okay, and don't, you know, just... You were... There was a lot of, there was a lot of vulnerability in that interview for her, and I don't think she expected that. She was sitting at your dad's kitchen table. You know, she was talking about her wig, because then she had burned her hair. I mean, and so you guys talked about that. I mean, she was, I think she really put herself in a very vulnerable spot that she maybe didn't plan to do. 
and then you guys had some very vulnerable moments. I mean, and I thought it was, I thought it was, I thought it was an incredibly right. raw, vulnerable interview that maybe she didn't expect. And then sitting all these your, people sitting at your dad's kitchen table. Um, she talked about, you know, the I think she talked about Adderall. She talked about a whole, a whole bunch of stuff. But basically, um, what you're saying is she put herself out. there. I think there. she put herself out there. I think she was very exposed, very raw. I thought the interview was really good. I think you and her had an incredible connection, and I think she opened up a lot more than she probably planned on doing. And I think she left there feeling incredibly vulnerable. And then the dopey nation jumped down her throat. I don't know what the dopey nation did, and I think that they're free to, you know, say whatever the hell they want. Everybody, every, all your fans have opinions about whatever. Then went like three days later, um, or two days later on the 27th, she posted um, that she was on the dopey podcast and for all her fr- her fans to check it out. Yeah. And so right. for some some reason, some ex- inexplicable reason, that post is still on our Twitter account where mm. she's taken everything else that she's right. dished on Dave and, and Dopey. Right. Everything else she, she took down. But but on her Instagram, she also has the the picture of me and her where I'm the probably the most handsome picture of me ever taken to this day for Dopey. And I also I'm very tan I also remember reading thin. You see that picture? I no. look really good in that I'm picture. I'm gonna look it up. Yes. There were also a lot of people on the Dopey Nation who said really you know, said a lot of the same thing I was saying. There were people who thought she was love the book, thought she was um I thought it was a good interview. I mean listen, she was she was uh she did she did not she was very guarded, right? She didn't want to share certain stuff. She'd start talking and then say, I'm not going to talk about this. But you could tell that she was she was trying to work out a lot of things on air. And she was struggling. But I thought she was also a lot of fun. She wanted, remember, she kept wanting to talk about, like, basketball. Basketball. And she, she wanted to have fun with Dave. And I thought you guys had, a, like, sort of a fun banter. It was cool. But she didn't, she was, then she didn't want to get deeper. And then you kind of called her out on it. Right. And I thought that was a really interesting example of somebody being guarded and not being sure if they should trust a process. I don't know. I thought, I thought it was really a very interesting interview. Ray, you have any yeah, thoughts? Yeah, I, I like that. I like that interview too, I, and I like. I am a fan of Kat Marnell. I think she's a, a certain breed for not everybody. That's that's obvious. Right. Um, but just to, to further the timeline, um, because that's what I, I I've done a little research, and and so this whole thing came about within the Dopey Nation became you know mainstream on September first. Um, when the Dopey Birds were trying to, so that's that's Annie and Liz of the Dopey Birds of the Dopey Zoom show, um, were trying to reach out to Jessa Reed on Twitter. Sorry. Dopey News, this is Sam with the Dopey Newscast. And it was during that, in that within that thread, that Kat Marnell inserted herself um, via some magnificent trolling uh, and, and um, tweeted um, that that tweet, which was the Dopey Nation is a scam and fake podcast network from former Stern wha- fake wannabe whackpacker. Now, let me say a few things here. First of all, I'm still obsessed with Stern. Second of all, I don't think I would have ever qualified for the whackpack. What's pack. a whackpack? A whackpacker is like... Beetlejuice, High Pitch Eric, Elephant Boy, Tan. You're not a a whackpacker. No, Stuttering John is not a whackpacker. Why? Because he's a Dave, you're whackpack adjacent. I'm not whackpack adjacent either. Am I a whackpack? Because I'm not staff? 
No, the uh, whack pack is like beyond the fringe. Like yeah, like Elephant Boy or that. Dave would be, I guess, a guest. No, I was a first of all. I was I was a guest, and but I was a guest because I was a lying stalker for Howard. You know, but (laughs) but Cat and I told Cat Marnell that story, and she assumed that I stalked Howard in some kind of like fake account having thing. But if you know anything about me, my stalking is very basic. I just call right, you a lot. Come on the show. Come on the show. Come on I the show. I show up. Stalk Artie. Yeah. I text. But I don't stalk him with fake accounts. I call him up. I show up where he's at. I don't I don't have like fake fucking uh, identities. That, that stuff to me sounded <laughs> kind of like some kind of mental illness because that's, that's kind of like when you're paranoid, yeah. which could be drug-induced. Um, that she thinks you have fake accounts because that's really easy very to powerful. figure out that you don't. But the other thing is, like, she's also a very easy person to hate because she's because a lot of things about her and she's rich. People hate rich people and they hate rich people that get famous and then brag about buying three thousand dollar pillows and you know mm. all that stuff. So she was just like an easy she target. And I, and my take on everybody attacking her, which is fun, you know, it's always fun to attack like a, a rich girl who you know wrote a book, but that she also like I said, pray for cat, kind of jokingly, but this is a person with drug problems that maybe mental illness problems, and she's floundering and she's maybe trying to promote like a career that maybe doesn't is not happening and. All that stuff is happening at once, and everybody's hating her because she's this pretty girl with all this money. Well, she, first of all, I don't, I don't know how much money she has, but that's not the she, point. She's rich, but she's not rich, rich. Well, listen, I'm not gonna comment on, I'm not gonna comment on Kat's mental. Well, she was staying in a fifteen dollar Airbnb in Cairo, which is nice, but if you had real money, you wouldn't be staying in there. Exactly, but I'm, I'm just saying that, like. I'm not going to comment on if she's on drugs or if she's mentally stable or this and that. I just know that, like, it would have been really fun if Kat either was part of Dopey or if she was, like, the heel, like a professional wrestler who hated on Dopey but really enjoyed it. Oh, that would be awesome. But instead, she, like, I don't know what happened because obviously she had a real kind of feeling about this. And like when I wrote her on, I wrote, I messaged her on Instagram, and she wrote, "Letter U, letter R, a psycho." <laughs> and that's when I was just like, "I gotta fucking be done with this." And and it and and like Linda, tell them like what it did to me. This whole yeah. thing. Yeah. No, Dave was very upset. Like for a whole week. Well, for a right? few days, a few days. I was just like, "What the fuck is this?" Because I really. Admire Kat Marnell. I admire Kat Marnell. But it's beyond like you admire her, blah blah blah. You don't like when anybody doesn't is, like is me. mad at you. Yeah, I so hate it. I, I mean that it could be it could be like the lady at the laundromat. Yes. I mean, didn't you hear the tangent he went on before about the the, the laundry lat laundromat ladies? Yeah. So I, I don't know if, if you'd be any less upset with them as you were with Kat Marnell. When I jokingly put him in my fourth step as because <laughs> causing me problems, and then I had to immediately write, I'm joking. So now you're turning this against me. What? Well, you guys are having such no. a good time bullying Cat Marnell, and now you're going to turn it on no, me. I'm just saying you, you, were definitely, you were definitely upset this week, and I, and, and I think it's because, you know why I think it's because, and tell me if I'm wrong, Dave, I think part of you likes her. I like, I like her. Like, I think, because I sense the, um, 
a, con- a bond or a connection in that interview, which is why I liked it, where I thought you guys got each other. Like, you uh, had a fun banter. And I think you feel badly because then she turned, you know, turned on it. I, w- I watched a lot of YouTube videos with Kat Marnell being interviewed. And in the comments, and a lot of them she's, some of them she's together and some of them she's really out there. But the comments are like 90% guys going, this chick is crazy. She's just my type. I love her. She's hot and she's crazy. Yeah, Sam Sam wrote a song about her. Sam, why don't you sing your Cat Marnell song? I would love to hear that, Sam. Oh, well, it was it was because Cat Marnell had read on the show that she was on, she read an email from a guy who had some sort of Serbian or He had an you know, Eastern um, Eastern European Eastern name. European name. And uh, I and so she she essentially goes she yada yada his email. He wrote a she really really he wrote a really fucked up dopey story that had like a low and a, a return and Cat Marnell's not interested and she's reading it and she's like <laughs> da, 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 da. she like doesn't care at all and um and then she was done with it and that was another reason why the dopey nation hated her because she like yeah. didn't pay attention to them. And, like, she didn't, like, really take her addiction or recovery seriously. So Sam wrote this brilliant song about her. Here it is. This is my apology song to Vladimir Putin Jr. I just don't know what I was thinking. It's just that Kat Marnell is so hot. Kat Marnell is so hot. I guess this one really got away from me. Especially when she said your whole name. Especially when she yada yada your whole email. I don't know what I was thinking. It's just that Cat Marnell is so hot and crazy. Cat Marnell is so hot and crazy. Maybe she heard that, Sam, and that's why she turned on us. There's so much she well, could that, have heard. That, that might have been it, actually. It pushed her over the edge. Well, I mean, I just want to say, like, you know, Lin- Linda went upstairs to put Nora to bed. You know, if you live in New York or L.A., you've met. A person, a girl like Kat Marnell, like there's so many of them, and it's just a really easy person to hate, right? And and like, yeah, or or like though because she's really smart and she's really funny. Yeah, I and you if know she's your, if she's your friend, like she's all in with your friend. Like I've seen her with her, you know, with her people on on Twitter, and you know, I I think that if you had her in your corner, you'd love her. You know, I saw her interviewed by Gavin, what's his name from Vice, and she was like. She, like, stopped doing, like, whatever, like, blonde character she does. And she was, like, suddenly, like, very intelligent and talking about publishing industry, like, in a really interesting way. Well, the thing is, I wanted to be in with her like that. I wanted to have that thing. And I didn't. And, um, but I, she really thought that I led this charge against her. And it wasn't true. And the whole thing totally blew up in my face. And now I feel terrible about the whole thing. And also, she said a lot of really mean stuff about me. Yep. So I have this woman, this author that I do admire, that is this like New York City debutante, rich girl, pretty girl, whatever. And she hates me. <laughs> and, and that's what I'm left with. You know, I wanted to be in with her. I wanted to be one of these people. And in the end, I'm like sticking up for her, and she's shitting on me. And even if yeah. if she was doing this to troll Dopey Nation to get, like, publicity, like, she didn't, like, I don't think she's doing that because she's not doing it right. No, she's, she's doing it because she it right. hates me. Well, she's deleting her post, so she's definitely not doing it right. She's doing it for a certain reason. 
Um, but but the one thing that I, I'm taking away from all of this is the galvan, the way that the Dopey Nation galvanized around you and the show, and you know went after risk. You know risk. It's not really risk to get blocked, but a bunch of them got blocked, and a bunch of them had conversations with her, and she responded to them. And so you know, uh, you know I love that. I love that about the Dopey Nation. You know, uh, having your back, Dave, and the show's back, and uh, and standing up for themselves. I love that about the Dopey Nation, too. You know, I love that the Dopey Nation is this ridiculous gang of, <laughs> of internet thugs willing to lay down their body on the train track, even if Cat Marnell is going to run over it. Um, but I still, you know, I know Cat Marnell doesn't listen to Dopey, uh, but I do hate that it went down like this. Although, like, let me ask you, you guys this. Am I a pussy that she shits down my throat publicly and still... I'm sort of apologizing for it. Ray? Um, comment? No, I, I, I think there should be no comment. Like, what? Just, I don't think you should respond. Like, that's what she's doing. There's nothing you can do and nothing you can change her mind. So let her do it. I Sam? Mean, for me, I, I desperately want to change her mind. I want her to know that the Dopey Nation is real. Everyone that's ever reached out to her, good or bad, is real. It's their opinions. And, and, and it's not fair what she's doing to you. It, it's really fucking, you know, it's, it's, she's a mean girl by doing this, and that's what Twitter allows her to be. Wow, you just really turned a corner there, Sam. So you're saying, in the end, uh, she's a cunt, and she's bullying me. No, because I, now she's bullying you in, in a way. I still like her. but, but <laughs> Sam's fucking in love with Catherine, <laughs> So many guys are. And, I'm not. I, I'm, I haven't been blocked. And I haven't really participated. Sam's not willing blocks. to lay his body on the train tracks <laughs> like Matthew and Misty and, and, and everybody else. No, because I, like I said, I, well, I need there needs to be an insider that can that has not been blocked so we can see what she's up to. That's all. I can do that. You don't even go on Twitter. Ray. <laughs> I'm going to say for the record, I have always loved Kat Marnell. I hate that she... It's like I hate being hated by these people. You know, I tweeted Mark Maron. Mark Maron's been... Mark Maron has been responding to my texts for months. Yeah. And I texted him this week, and he didn't respond. And you know what that did to me? That means he hates you. That well, took you down. It just means that... It ruined um, your day. I hate being an annoying fuck. You know, I just hate it. And I don't want to be an annoying fuck to anybody, frankly, except maybe you. And Sam and Linda, but I don't. I don't want to annoy Cat Marnell and Mark Marin anymore. No, I, I hate that when you write to somebody and they don't write back, and they're like, "Am I that person that nobody wants to write back to?" Or terrible. But I'll tell well, you, it's tough. It's it's tough, Dave, because you have these relationships with them, and it, and it is mostly professional. But you have built, a, you know, a personal relationship with them too, to some extent. And then you know, there's an expectation, and then. When, when they, they don't meet your expectation, you know, that's when it becomes sad. And I, I hate that we've spent this long talking about Cat Marnell. I thought we were going to talk for like 10 minutes. How long did we talk about it? Like an hour. No, we didn't. And also her sister, like, she's like, I'm living at my sister's house. And then so she's like, I'm not, I'm, I've got a great apartment in the East Village. I'm like, that sister like threw her out. Wow. Uh, can, can, can I read one other exchange from? The, I want to read one last uh, dopey exchange. Does this wait? Uh, hold on. Before you do, does this make me a star fucker? Is that what I am? No. Am I a star fucker? No. Sam, am I a star fucker? 
Oh, I think you just want to feel up the stars. I think you want to cuddle. I don't want to. Cu- know, I'm not a cuddler. I don't even. I don't like cuddling anybody. I, anyway, okay. Let's I, hear. Let's hear. What are you gonna say? I, I, I'm writing a song now, and I have the line "Star fucker of the lowest level." So is that me? I'm no, the star no, fucker of the lowest level. No, it just reminded me of that line. You know, that could be me. a cool woman's punk rock woman's stage name, lowest level. <laughs> lowest level. Yeah, lowest level. <laughs> Lowest level in the Starfuckers. Yeah. That could be like a, a band. Yep. Anyway, all right, Sam, let's hear the last tweet, and then we're done with this Cat Marnell business. All right, well, this is the last exchange. So Kristen Diaz, an esteemed member of the Dopey Nation, writes esteemed. from Canada. Canadian. To Kat. What? They think I'm slow because I'm from Canada, eh? <laughs> yeah. So Kristen writes to Cat. Cat, I'm really sorry that you're going through something right now. That being said, it's really not a good look to attack the Dopey Podcast when you've done nothing. When the Dopey Podcast has done nothing but support you, you can do better. And then Cat tweets back, Dave, you are a fucking loser. Your Canadian accounts are ridiculous. Leave me alone. In caps. I think she's trolling. I think. And then what did the, she what can't did believe write that? Back? Uh, Kristen was then blocked. <laughs> it's funny that she calls me Dave. <laughs> and, and, and I she, she thinks calls I'm Kristen Dave. Yeah. Wow. It's like she thinks every Twitter account is Dave in the world. Wow. She does. And I don't know whether she's I, I part of me thinks that she's smart enough to know that that's not true, but she's just playing this out. And and for some reason, I think she's playing cat and I actually think she's playing cat and mouse with you. I'm going to I'm going to write mouse. to her. I'm writing to her on Twitter. Wait, so wait, I'm the mouse? Yeah, because I, I think she's baiting you in, in all of this, right? And, and see, that's why part of me wants to really try to convince her somehow, some way, someday, that there, is, there are, you know, thousands of people in the Dopey Nation, and all of them are entitled to their own opinion, and she just needs to get over it. Maybe she's a lot like you. Maybe she can't handle, you know, a criticism of any kind. And that's why she's lashing out. Dude, right? if, I, if I ever went on somebody's show and 10 people talk shit, let alone 30 people talk shit, I would lose my fucking mind. I would lose it. Uh, I don't know how I would handle it. I would, I would, like, fucking break down systematically. But it also <laughs> means you're in the next sphere when, when you can get to a place where 30 people hate on you. I, I go on podcasts, people don't even notice. You know? People I had, don't care. I had one right. person say something bad about me a long time ago on Dopey Nation or Twitter, and it just, like, threw me. Well, this I think we should be done with Kat Marnell. As I said on Twitter and I said on Facebook, I wish nothing but the best for Kat Marnell. The weirdest thing is I always am the reason that things like this happen, so I feel a little bit good that I didn't do this thing, that I'm not Kristen Diaz, <laughs> that I'm not Matthew Wiedemeyer Carroll, that I'm not Misty Janney the Dopey Fairy. Fairy. <laughs> I'm only me. I'm Dopey Podcast. I'm Katz's Deli, and I'm the last Jewish waiter. That's where you can find me and know it's me. And Filthiest Nation, but I can't even access that account. I control Filthiest Nation. <laughs> Ray's Filthiest Nation. Yourself on Twitter? What's that? You should block yourself on Twitter. Right, I should. But the point is that um, let's be done with this Cat Marnell segment. And I, I, I think we should be done with this Cat Marnell war unless... Because, like, I like fake beef where we attack people. I don't like being attacked with their fake beef. This is fucking weird if you think about it. 
because I didn't do anything. Um, yeah, it, it's not over. I think this it's is, over. This is not over. This is this is going on for infinity. No, it's in over. Opinion. It's over until Ray kicks it up. Are you ready? You gonna <laughs> kick it up? I'm just thinking Ray's about Ray's going for it right now. <laughs> no, no I've, I've left the top. I'm like, I, I'm at the filthiest nation show, and I said to Dave. Who's that old guy there? He's like, that's my father. And so I had to go over and meet him. And he's like, how do you know Dave? And I'm like, I'm the manager of Philly <laughs> Station. He gave me a look like such pity. <laughs> that's great. That's great. All right, Sam, thank you for coming in and giving us the Cat Marnell lowdown. Dopey Nation, um, if you have a problem with Cat Marnell, tweet at her. If you want to talk about this, uh, tweet, or tweet at us at Dopey Podcast, or write us an email at dopeypodcast at gmail.com. Did we go on too long about Cat Murnell? Probably. No. Yeah, there's no, no turning back now. All right, Sam. Good night. All right, good night. Good night, Dopey Nation. Stay right. strong, stay hungry, and toodles for Chris. There you go. Um, now, speaking of bad reviews, uh, I got a bad review recently. Do you want to you hear it? Yes. Recently, somebody wrote me this. They said, since when, one star, since when is addiction so funny? And it's from VC at O. I've tried to get behind the total idiot banter and the constant hints that the host is from a prominent wealthy, I should save this for my dad, but it's too late. Okay. I've tried to get behind the total idiot banter and the constant hints that the host is from a prominent wealthy family. Which, which party of that statement will enable recovery for others? I am struggling daily, have awesome support, faith, and so far, it's okay. Just that. Welcome to staying and working in the deli. Give me a break. Whoa. What does that mean? I don't know. Who is the prominent wealthy? Is that Chris? I don't that's know. you. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me. This was the first one-star review that meant nothing to me because it doesn't make any <laughs> Welcome sense. Welcome to the rest of your life in the deli. Oh, that's what she's saying. I don't even understand what that means. Anyway, uh, I'm going to read one more. Uh, oh, why don't you do an email, Ray? Here, here's an well, email. Well, you got to give it to me. But before we do, Linda's back to say goodnight and watch uh, New York Housewives and eat ice cream. Linda is basically one of the New York Housewives <laughs> at this point. I'm a Long Island housewife. Long Island housewife. Yeah. So what are you going to say? Uh, goodnight, and I'm going to go watch... Uh Housewives. Any last words for Cat Marnell? Cat Marnell, <laughs> just chill. Do we're, all, we're all good here. We all, we're all friends. We love you, Cat Marnell, even Dave, if you hate here's me. Here's the thing to say to Cat Marnell, and I just yelled at Dave for talking this much about Cat Marnell. Now I'm about to talk more about Cat Marnell. Dave really loved her book, and like so, and, and then I read her book, and I thought it was so good. And I loved her. I don't know. We were like, we're both like huge fans. So it's very sad. That, very sad. That, uh, I don't know, sucks. It's like, it's, she, he's an unfortunate. Um, victim of circumstance. I don't want to say you're a victim. I think she's kind of a victim in a way. But I feel like, and, and just in her own, you know, in her own mind. But I feel like it's unfortunate that, that she's mad at you, of all people. Like, of all the people that there's to be mad at. I feel like you actually were, were kind of a fan of hers, and it really sucks that she uh, has this perspective. So yes. It's sad. But I don't feel like talking about her anymore. And uh, good night, Dopey Nation. Good night, Ray. I love when you're good here. Night. 
Good night, Sam. I love you as well. Dave, you're okay. I won't see um, you anymore. I won't. Well, I was going to make bacon for Ray. I made bacon for Ray's Ray. Ray's a vegetarian. I know. The last time Ray was here, I like cooked this whole breakfast. I'm like, and they went to a meeting, and I, was, I thought Ray was coming back. I'm like, I made bacon and eggs. He's like, he's a fucking vegetarian. I'm like, oh. Um, anyway, good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. All right. Here. Here, Ray. Hey, guys. My name is Michael. Please don't use the last name. I recently found your podcast. It's awesome. I'm an addict and can relate so much with your show. I'm up to 75 or 76, somewhere close to that. I have just one comment to make. Please stop using the term faggot. I'm gay, not ashamed of it. I've known I was gay since I was a kid and have accepted it. I would not change a thing about who I am. I don't think you mean to be mean-spirited. It's just that so many people do so many people do that people who listen to your podcast. I read that wrong. No, that's how they wrote it. There are some people that are gay that take it very seriously and use drugs because so many people hate gay people and use drugs to escape from the hate that some people put out there that they can't handle it sober. They think they are not as good as others because they are gay, and it's very sad. Please try to see it from the point of view as people that are gay or lesbian or whatever. I do really enjoy your show and will continue to listen. Just please think about it. If you don't use the word faggot as being hateful or hurtful to people that are gay, please talk about it and explain your thoughts. Keep up the good work. Love the show. Michael. Thanks, well, Michael. Thanks, Michael. You, like, ambushed me with this. I, I figured know. it'd be fun. <laughs> it'd be fun for you to read this email. Was it fun? No, that wasn't fun. Why not? You, I don't know. Why wasn't it fun to read the homophobic email? It wasn't a homophobic email. It was somebody asking you... You did not be homophobic. Yeah, and, and, and I didn't understand it while I was reading it. I thought he was talking about me because I was saying faggot two weeks ago, um, but uh, he was talking about you in the past doing it with like uh ishmael doing ishmael shtick uh but i was you know i say it a lot because like i don't know you said you say it at work we say it at my job where we're all gay and we we call each other faggots and we call the straight people faggots sometimes to their face and sometimes if like the ceo is walking away and we're like whatever faggot and i lived a lifetime a lifetime of not calling people faggot not saying anything like hateful or, or stereotyping, homophobic, racist, any of that stuff. I didn't say that kind of stuff. Uh, when I got to Katz's, I worked with the most diverse people that I've ever worked with, and I never heard so much horrible stuff in my life. So the word faggot was because Ishmael, who is one of my favorite people in the world, he's a, probably a, a almost 60-year-old waiter from Egypt, and when he would order soup, he would say, Franklin, let me get a matzo ball soup, faggot. And I just thought it was the funniest <laughs> thing. Or he'd see me and he'd go, you are the greatest, gay. <laughs> and I, and I, like, I could not get enough of it. And I would tell Chris the bits, you know, like, or he'd go, let me get a bagel, lox, and cream cheese, you stupid faggot. And, and I mean, he would say it and I would laugh my ass off because Ishmael was very straight. Ishmael was very, like, a family man, you know what I mean? He, he was a practicing Muslim, you know, he, he, he and then he would say stuff like that. 
or he would like look at women's asses and he'd say, I love the ass. <laughs> and during Ramadan, he wasn't allowed to say faggot or look at women's oh, asses. No. And he'd be like, this is the worst time ever. <laughs> I cannot look at the ass or say faggot. And anyway, the point was that when me and Chris were doing the show, I would say... If I was stuck in another country and I had to get a job in a restaurant, the word that I would need to make friends and fit in was faggot. And, and that was the conversation. So I don't like the word faggot. I think it's funny where I work. And then I bet you, like, nobody is... I think there's one out gay person where I work. Yeah. And um, so you'd have to imagine there's a bunch of closeted guys. Maybe. But... Um, I do not support the word faggot. We've talked about this on Dopey before, and I appreciate the email, Michael. And I say it with my gay friends. I say it sometimes with my, sometimes with straight. I don't know straight friends. But I, one thing I remember when the word queer was being reclaimed when that was starting to hear people saying queer, and uh, and it was. I was like, I've never heard anyone called queer. I've never heard anyone use that, but I have heard fag. And, you know, said in a very bad way. And I was like, it would be so great. And then years later, my friends were like, they reclaimed the wrong word. And if they had reclaimed the other, universities would have fag studies departments, which I would love. I think that would be hilarious. But now we have queer studies. So they never reclaimed faggot. No, they reclaimed the wrong word. That's interesting. So again, Michael and anybody that's offended by my use of the word, it was just in fun. Same, just like with Kat Murnau. It's all just a... Me trying to have a good time over here. I just want, like, and then somebody wrote me today. They wrote, uh, like, they posted a picture of uh, Dopey episode 1357, and they were like, yo, the show was so much better when you were just doing the raw fucking shit. Now it's too much recovery. And, and the fact of the matter is, like, I honestly don't have a choice. You know what I mean? Like, I do the show. Just um, do it how it comes out. How it comes out. I did the show. We did the show super raw in the beginning because I had four months clean, and me and Chris could just laugh at shit. Did, did you have show notes? No, we didn't have show notes. I mean, you no, we did. We always had show notes. <laughs> you barely have show notes now. We had show notes. I would just scribble everything down, you know, which beats not having them. Like, the printer broke tonight, so I had, lit, I had hardcore show notes that we didn't get to use. We didn't follow them barely at all. Do you know that I use so many words wrong? And I use the word, one of my favorite words to use wrong is litigious. Yeah. I always thought litigious meant something it doesn't mean. What did you think it meant? Just like I was going to say I had litigious show notes, meaning like <laughs> they're comprehensive. But litigious means... Your show notes are suing somebody. Right. I, so I use that word wrong. And then I want to say this. Two words that disgust me, yeah. that rich people use and that famous people use, yeah. they call everything lovely. Oh, they were so lovely. And they don't say literally. They say literally. (laughs) Literally, they were so lovely. And it just makes me fucking sick. I hate when rich people call their house their residence. How about their lovely literal (laughs) residence? It's fucking unbelievable. Anyway, let's play a voicemail. It is from the great Gabby. Gabby has been listening to Dopey forever. She's a founding member of the Dopey Nation. She's a hardcore drug addict who found recovery and relapsed, and now she's back. So here's Gabby. You want to hear her? Yeah. Do you know Gabby? I know Gabby. Yeah, okay, here we go. Here's Gabby. Dave, mate, g'day. It's Gabby from Australia. Just wanted to pop in and say hello, and um, 
I was just at home. I moved into my new apartment and um, in Brisbane um, and I'm loving it and I'm setting up my, my new place and I was listening to the latest episode and I loved, loved, loved that new song of yours that you played at the end and um, it made me giggle and you have a, you're a bit of a wordsmith, not to blow smoke up your ass, but no, I loved it and... Um, I thought I'd just call and check in, you know, um, I know we've messaged a little bit recently, I've been struggling, I had 15 months up clean, relapsed for about four and a bit months, I jumped on Zaboxin for a couple of weeks and bit the bullet and jumped off, up, jumped off it after two weeks, got 20 days up off nothing, um, had one really horrific um, slip up five days ago um, where I OD'd, made a really poor decision, all happened really quickly, it scared the shit out of me and, um, you know, I, I got enough pain to be able to come back to the program but I think I, I got scared and rattled enough to actually fully surrender at the moment so I feel like something's really shifted on like a cellular level um, inside me, I can't really describe it, you know, some people throw around that it might be one of these things, these cheeky spiritual awakenings everyone talks about, but, um, look, I'm actually, it's been a tough week, but I'm, I'm doing good, and, um, weirdly, I think it's what I needed, but, um, anyway, I, looks, I've always been, you know, into art and writing and music and all of that, all that stuff. And, um, when I'm using, you know, in the honeymoon period years ago, I thought it made me like, you know, the new Lou Reed basically of my generation, (laughs) which makes me laugh. But, um, you know, slowly using and heroin just takes all of that creativity away, which, which kills me inside. And, um, I'm the type of person that always has to have projects going and what when drugs I used to think amplified my creativity, it actually in the end just took everything away from me. And and when I'm clean, I find it all just comes flooding back and and it's amazing and I love it. And um, you know, I'm doing lots of writing and painting and drawing again. And um I'm working on a collection of of poems, I kind of oh, I kind of hate saying poems because I think every time you say that you write poetry, I just imagine some snobby beatnik in a beret smoking clove cigarettes and listening to too much of Robert Robert Smith. But um, look, my um, I I wrote this poem the other night, and um, you know, it's very metaphorically to do with addiction, so I thought I'd read it for you guys um, and see what you think, but um. Anyway, it hasn't got a title as yet, work in progress, but um, it is complete, so this is it. If I could get a prescription for this deep case of apanthropy that throbs through my veins, I'm sure everything would be all right, and I most probably wouldn't care that the remedy veils the problem and the core of me would continue to retract and rot like mints on the windowsill. As long as I had a little relief, I could deal Hey, I'm a middle child who thrives on dissociating. Distract me from my innermost turmoils. Let me splash about in my character defects. I take a nostrum bought from those apartment blocks in that suburb. You know the one. If you could make me feel connected. It's like I always forget the bottom of my Macca's Coke Zero 
no ice, has a hole in it. And I keep trying to drink, but it's dripping all over my dress. I'm sticky, and all I can focus on is the cup. And I should be grateful that I have a cup at all. The solution is spiritual, but I want to buy it, commodify and mould it into how I think it should serve me, when really the reason why I have a problem and need a solution is because of my own thudding enslavement to myself, my enduring and unwavering belief that I know better than mother, better than your mother, mistaking numbness for peace and insanity for enlightenment, despite evidence to the contrary crashing around me, in splintering debris, I will back this dead horse I drag around again and again. I'll back it once my hands are blistered and I can no longer carry it around. I'll back it when it's buried and the earth has taken it and it's no longer even a horse. Because nothing tastes better than being right. But I need fillings now, it's almost diabetic. And the narciss narcissism rots me from the inside out. BMT with me. All right. There you go. I'm apparently a poet now. Who knew? Who knows what can happen when you get clean? My experience is that basically the world's my oyster um, and my world is very, very small when I'm using. And um, I'm a very greedy person. I like, I like to have everything. And I only have that when I'm clean, so that's what I'm focusing on at the moment. And um, thanks for all the work you're doing. It's so good to be connected again. And, um, yeah, love you all. Hi, everyone in the Dopey Nation, and uh, be good. Love from Gabby. Always love to hear from Gabby. I'm glad she's back and doing well, writing poetry, making art, back working steps in the program. Yep. Um, all right, Ray, what do you think? I think it's a wrap. I think it's a wrap. Um, good night, Dopey Nation. Good night, Gabby. Thank you to everybody that pitches in. Listen. If you listen to the show and you're at the end of the show, and write an email, dopeypodcast at gmail.com. If you're listening to the show and you don't follow us on Instagram, follow us on Instagram. Um, follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Facebook. Thank you, Cormac. Thank you, Dopey Nation Facebook administrators. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Kira. Kira's pitching in. It's yeah. By the way, this whole fucking Patreon paywall is all because of Kira. So blame oh, yeah? Kira. Because she talked to a consultant, and she said, the consultant said, you should be charging people. Like, that's the whole point of Patreon. I, saw, I, I called you, and I'm like, why is Patreon free? Because I'm a people pleaser deep down. Yep. Patreon's free because I'm a people pleaser. Um, who else should I thank? Thank uh, you, Ray, for coming. Yes. It's a pleasure having you here. Linda. Are you ex thank you, Linda. Are you excited to be the uh, Patreon, uh, what do you call it, host? Yes. Moderator. Yeah, when is, when is that? You're going to wear a bow tie? Of course. And, under, and like, no pants? I never wear pants. Perfect. I'm not wearing pants right now. It's going to start on uh, the 19th, September 19th. Oh, cool. So that's a week from tomorrow. Wait, that's when the show is, the September 19th? First Dopey Patreon Zoom <laughs> Let me is see a if week I'm from available. tomorrow. Are you available? <laughs> What's the difference? I don't know. Where are you going to be? I don't know. What do you, we, we have to endure you checking your calendar during the yeah. show? Um. Oh, I can do it. Great. So on October, September 19th, first it's, Dopey it's Patreon. Oh, no, it's Rosh Hashanah? Yes. That's the Jewish New Year. I can't be doing Dopey <laughs> Patreon Zoom on Rosh Hashanah. But we'll see. My grandmother's going to be rolling over in her grave. She already is. No, don't say that. She's resting <laughs> peacefully. Um, 
What else? Who else can we thank? Well, you know, all, there's a bunch of people that write in these amazing dopey stories on Dopey Nation. And I'm like, why don't you send that in? Why don't you send it in? That's a good question. Thank you, Mike, for, for putting me on that dopey Zoom in the first place. Thank you, dopey Zoom people. Thank you, Dan. Oh, shit, I forgot. This week on Twitter, we're starting the Dopey Movie Challenge where Dan Ali set up this weird oh, yeah. competition between movies. I heard about that. I didn't understand it, but I did hear it. Yeah, it's basically like a Twitter poll between drug movies, and you pick. You vote on your favorite drug movie. Like, no, what is that Ellen Burstyn movie? I can't remember. Uh, Requiem, for, Requiem a for a Dream. Requiem yeah. for a Dream versus Drugstore Cowboy or something. Um, so thank you to Dan. Thank you to everybody for participating in the show. Dopey would suck without the Dopey Nation. Thank you, Kat Marnell. <laughs> um, I'm sorry that you think I'm such a scumbag, loser, piece of shit, whack packer, but I just do my best. Give him a chance. Give me a chance. Give, give Dave a chance. Give Dave a chance. Anyway, stay strong, Dopey Nation, and uh, fucking toodles for Chris. Stay strong. Toodles for Chris. I want to take a walk around the world I wonder would it do me any good Until I get some money in my pocket Then I guess I'll just have to walk around my neighborhood But I want to be good so bad I want to be good so bad so bad I want to be good so bad but bad desire's all I ever had And I want to take a ride up in the sky And watch the airplanes just flash me by And I want to see a Learjet liner take a dive Just to show all of these people what it means to be alive I want to be good so bad Yeah, I want to be good so bad, so bad, I want to be good so bad, but bad desire's all I ever had, and my shadow's getting smaller and smaller, and it's high noon where I stand. If I leave this busted city far behind I'll take the high road however far it winds Cause peace and love are very, very, very hard to find I wanna be good so bad I wanna be good so bad, so bad I wanna be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had it's all I ever had. It's all I ever had. And the suckers make me mad. And it's all I ever had. I don't want to call my dad. And it's all I ever had. It's all I ever had. And it's all I ever had. It's all I ever had. Call my dad. Had. Had. I don't want to ever had.